Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone. So I'm bringing you an oldie but goodie. This was a talk that was recorded at the very first AFES. It happened in Costa Rica way back in December 2010. And the man I put on stage is a brilliant guy by the name of Sean Stevenson. And if you don't know Sean, Google Sean Stevenson. Sean is a world-renowned speaker. He has this incredible ability to inspire. But it comes because he was born with a rare genetic disease called brittle bone disease. You see, before Sean was even a teenager, he had broken some 300 bones in his body. The slightest touch, the slightest fall could cause his bones to break. And so Sean is confined to a wheelchair and he is pretty much no more than three feet high. But Sean has been able to do incredible things with his life. He has shared the stage with US presidents, billionaire, businessmen, and even his holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama. In fact, that's where Sean and I met. We were both speaking on stage with the Dalai Lama in Calgary around 10 years ago, and we became friends. So I asked Sean to speak at A-Fest, and he took the stage in his beautiful, majestic style, and then proceeded to blow all our minds. And this is why I wanted to bring back this talk to share it with you. Now, this is Sean's magic ability. Sean's going to break down the elements of connection based on what he's learned from interacting and connecting with truly remarkable people, including President of the United States, Richard Branson, and the Dalai Lama. Now, I've witnessed this in person. Sean and I and a group of other entrepreneurs once got a private audience with the Dalai Lama, and all of us was hoping that His Holiness would speak to us because there were about 25 people in the room. Sean was the guy who knew how to instantly make the Dalai Lama smile and engage the Dalai Lama in a conversation. I also witnessed this on Necker Island. We were there for an entrepreneurial gathering. Richard Branson was there, and Sean was beautifully able to connect with Branson in such a deep way. This is the topic of what he's going to be sharing in this podcast. I really wanted to share this with you because connecting with people was something I always had difficulty with as a kid, as a teenager, even in college. I grew up with Asperger's syndrome, which means that I developed huge social anxiety. I had difficulty remembering faces and I had difficulty looking people in the eye. I'm actually on the autism spectrum in some ways. And I've had to overcome that as I grew up. And what I've recognized is that no matter what neurological condition you're born with or where you are in life, with the right tools, you can learn to create connection. You know my story. Despite being a geeky computer programmer with Asperger's, I was able to create events like AFES, like Mind Valley U, mobilize huge tribes. But it was because I didn't accept my neurological flaws. I sought to put myself in a growth mindset and fix them. And this is what this podcast interview is going to be hopefully doing for you as well, to teach you that to create rich human connections, you can learn specific techniques that you can apply immediately in your life. I'm Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. It was about midnight, and I was extremely tired, about eight years old. I remember cramming myself into a hotel shuttle bus. 
at Logan Airport. I did not want to be in that hotel shuttle bus. I wanted to be on an airplane with my family headed back to Chicago, where I live. But we didn't get on that flight. So we got in our hotel shuttle bus and headed to the hotel. And at eight years old, I wiped the sleep out of my eyes and I turned to the bus driver and started a dialogue. I just had a simple conversation. I asked him about his life, talked to him, we laughed, we joked around. To me, it was just a way to pass 15 minutes until I could finally get to the hotel. But what you have to realize is that time to you is not time to everyone else. What might just be a passing smile to you could save another person's life. We entered the hotel, and my family and I were famished, so we went to the restaurant in the hotel. We ordered food. It was late. They were basically closed, and they opened it up for us. We started eating. I was falling asleep a little bit into my pasta marinara. And then I see the bus driver. His name was Bill. And Bill comes walking to the table. And he looks at my parents and he said, thank you. Thank you for raising such an amazing boy. Because tonight was a magical night for me. And he kneels down beside me. I'm just wanting to eat and go to bed at this point. I'm just looking at him like, what's going to happen here, huh? So I'm eating my pasta and he puts his hand on my head. And he does that thing we do when we're just so in the moment. We just want to reach out and connect to somebody. And he begins to cry. And he said, tonight I was going to kill myself. I had it all planned out. This was the last run I was going to take in my bus. But spending time with your son, I realize that I have life in me. I realize that life is worth living. And what you don't know is that a few years ago, my wife left me and my children won't speak to me. And I've been feeling tremendously sorry for myself. But when your son got on this bus, I realized sorrow is a choice. And I just want to thank you for that. And he got up and he left. And I never saw him again. But what I realized at that tender little age is what you might think is just a passing conversation could save someone's life. And you might say, well, Sean, I, I don't look like you. I don't have your life story. It doesn't matter. I believe that we take for granted the people around us. We sometimes get caught in that trap of believing that they're like holograms, like they're there, but they're not really there. And we have to get out of that. We have to realize that there's a thing called connection and that we have to do something to get activated in the surroundings that we have because a smile can truly save another person's life. In my career, I found that connection is so very valuable. And it's not just about talking to somebody. There's communication and there's connection. So what's the difference? Well, communication occurs when we exchange information. 
right? And our Blackberries and our iPhones can communicate. They can exchange data, right? Your laptops can communicate. But there's no soul in that technology. What has to happen in order for us to go above and beyond that communication is we can't just exchange information. It leaves us feeling empty. Have you ever been in a room, maybe at a party or in a business meeting, you walked in, there was a lot of people, but you felt all alone? Raise your hand if you can relate to that. Absolutely. So is it really about being around people? I don't believe so. Because you can enter into a crowd of people, maybe they don't even speak your language, and there's all this social activity going on, but you can still feel all alone. How is that possible? Because you're not connected. So whose responsibility is it for you to be connected to humanity? Whose responsibility is it? It's yours. It's your responsibility. And when you take responsibility for connecting to people, you know, people meet me and they'll say, you know, Sean, you just have so much confidence and I'd like to have that amount of confidence. Look, it's not confidence. I believe it's just I make a special request out of myself to meet people and to get to know their lives and see what I can do for them in the time that I have, that little window maybe of their life. And so connection is not an exchange of information. Connection is an exchange of humanity. It's an exchange of emotion. So I need your help in doing a little activity here. Raise your hands if you've ever been happy. Okay, put your hands down. Raise your hands if you've ever been sad. Okay, put your hands down. Raise your hands if you think you're sexy. <laughs> Who am I kidding? This is a vision event. Everybody's sexy. <laughs> Connection. It's an exchange of emotion. We've all been happy, have we not? We've all been sad and scared. I travel the world, and I'm very fortunate to do what I do. And, and I've found it doesn't matter what regions of this world I go visit. We all kneel over graves and cry when we say goodbye to our loved ones. We all get scared when the phone rings and it's that person that we love, and maybe we haven't told them yet that we love them, and there's that first moment of butterflies, right? What's going to happen? And we all feel confused and we don't know what's going to happen next when we get news that is bigger than we think we can handle. Somebody's sick. A job is lost. A child is missing. Look, we all have emotions. Barring neurological dysfunction, and it may still exist inside of them, we all have that emotions. And that's our currency. That's how we can interact with each other. Because, look, our conditions are all different, aren't they? Every single one of us looks different, talks different, thinks different. We all have different, unique aspects. And I think humans love to talk about what they're qualified to be unique about. But you know what? At the end of the day, we really share this thing called emotion. And if you can relate to people through their emotions, and in business, that's extremely important. And tell somebody has an emotional connection to what you're bringing, the value you have. I know many of you are entrepreneurs and run your own businesses. Look and tell you can link an emotion to what you have. People aren't going to listen. People aren't going to care. Think about it. I want you to think right now about somebody in your life that had a massive impact in your life when you were young. Close your eyes. Let's just close your eyes and visualize a person. Maybe it was a teacher, a counselor, a friend, a parent, a neighbor, a custodian, a gym teacher, right? Think about that person. Now I have a question for you about that person. Did you like them because they were the most articulate? 
Did you like them because they had the best syllabi, the best homework assignments or lectures or because they smelled nice? No. Why did you like them? Why do you feel that you still remember them? Because, you can open your eyes now, because you felt they cared about you. And that's when the connection takes place. The moment we feel somebody cares about us, we are open to learning from them. We're open to listening to them, to growing with them. But as long as we feel they don't care about us, we close off. So what I would like to do in the time that I have here is I want to share with you elements to connection. So when people come up to you and you interact with them, I want you to hold that space of I am responsible for connecting to this person. I want to fast forward to just not too long ago, I think it was about a year ago, I was out with a friend and we were at a dance club. I don't know if you are aware of this, but like, I was built for dancing. <laughs> I've been actually banned from a couple states up in the U.S. because my dancing moves, too hot. Anyway, we're at this club and my buddy is watching me interact. At the time I was single, let's make that clear. So I'm out on the dance floor, and there's all these women in a big circle around me, and they're all like, Sean, Sean, Sean. They didn't know me. I just created that. <laughs> One of my mentalities is, when I come to your reality, we're going to throw a party. No matter how long I get with you, we're going to throw a party. So anyway, I create that mind frame, and he's watching this, and he comes up to me afterwards. He's like, dude, it's just not fair. And I'm like, why? He's like, oh. yeah, keep in mind, this is my close friend. And he's like, oh. Women come up and meet you because you're in a wheelchair. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, women come up to me because of the wheelchair. Oh, you're right. Because, like, ever since little girls growing up, they're like, oh, I just want to meet a little man in a wheelchair. What are you talking about? <laughs> so he's like, no, I mean, like, think about it, Sean. I mean, like, you're unique and people come up to you because, like, you know, maybe they feel sorry for you, and then you're just so playful, and I, you know, I'm, and he's going on, and he's totally not wanting to take responsibility for the fact that I create my reality, okay, and that he creates his. So I said, okay, I'm going to do something, I've never done it, and I don't want to ever do it again, okay? So we're going to let a few minutes go by, I'm going to go off to the different part of the club, I'm going to show you what would happen if I didn't create the party. I'm going to show you what happens when I don't connect, I want to show you what happens if I take on the role of the little man in the wheelchair. And I want you to watch closely what happens in my reality. More specifically, what doesn't happen. He's like, oh, okay. So we go to the other side of the club. New part, new people. And uh, I took on this physiology of, I, I, I hope you see me. I'm, I'm, over, I'm over here. And you know what happened? No one made eye contact with me. People walked right past me. People actually avoided me because they felt sorry for me. Now, hmm, was it my container or was it my energy? Which one was it? It was my energy. And as he watched this, he got more and more petrified because he thought he was losing his best friend. He's like, oh my God, are you going to be able to come back? Like, he's like freaking out. He's like... Don't ever do that again. I'm sorry. You're right. It's the energy. Like, just get a circle of girls around us, man. Like, come on. Sean, snap out of it. Energy, folks. You are responsible for your reality. Connection. It's the connection. I choose to make you comfortable 
with me. It is my response. Thank you, Lisa. You may never have seen somebody like me. And maybe you're like, oh, wow, do, do I talk to him? Do I not talk to him? What if he's like afraid? And here's the thing. We teach people how to treat us. Okay, that's not something new that Sean created. I'm spouting what the masters have taught for thousands of years. Like, we teach people how to treat us. And if you want to teach people to treat you with disrespect, you want to teach people to treat you as if you're shy, you want to teach people to treat you that they would never want to buy something from you, you want to teach people that you are not lovable, you want to teach people that? I don't think so. But maybe that's what you're doing. And maybe that needs to change today. And maybe you can utilize the tools that I'm going to share with you. I'm going to open up my bag of tricks on how to connect, how to get people to go, oh my, oh, I love spending time with this person. They light up when you come in the room. They get excited. They don't want you to leave. Would that be a value to learn? Yes or no? Yes. So I want you to take notes. I want you to bring this into your reality as quickly as the next break with the people around you. And they aren't mine. So, with that said, I'm going to go back to the three people that I really look up to for connection. People that I think are making a massive impact on this planet. People maybe you want to meet in your life. So, this will give you one step closer to that experience. First one. Raise your hand if you ever heard of a fellow named Bill Clinton. Okay, you don't have to like this guy politically, all right? But there's this man named President Clinton. He was a president up in the U.S. a few years ago, and he was known for a lot of things, but one of the things that he was known for was his ability to connect with people. Even the people, don't go there, even the people who said they hated him. Look, I worked in the White House for the man, and I was just bewildered. I was amazed there would be these politicians and lobbyists and people would come in, interest groups that were disagreeing with the president, and they would come in with scowls on their face into the east side of the White House. They would be, oh, I can't believe I'm going to meet President Clinton. And they would come and they work their way through the tour and then they would come and meet with him in the west side of the White House and they would leave. And they'd have their arm around him. And they would be like, uh, you're just awesome, Bill. Like, I know we're, like, on the opposite sides of our agreements and all that. But, like, dude, can we go fishing? Like, that's his power. How does he do it? Well, I'm going to share four things that I picked up on. Four things that I sat down and got to know him and re-engineered some of his tools. Number one, you need to get good at asking people's names and using their names. What President Clinton would do, didn't matter if he had a name badge on or not, he was going to get to know your name, and he was going to use it in the sentences that he would share when he opened his mouth to speak to you. Because it's amazing, they say everywhere from neurochemists that there's nothing more pleasing than hearing the sound of our own name in a pleasant voice. Think about that. Think about in your own mind, your name being said in a pleasant sounding voice. It makes you feel loved. It makes you feel acknowledged. And how many people have ever used the excuse, I'm not good at remembering people's names? Come on, raise, right? I want you to know that's a belief. And I want you to know that if you have trouble with that, 
that may be because you keep telling yourself over and over and over. That could be one. And two, it's maybe because you're afraid because you hear it once, you're afraid to ask for it again. Like, I would rather ask you, like, five times and be totally with you, your name. And then by the time we're done, remember that name or at least use it in the conversation. And that's what President Clinton would do. And so as we spend time together, I want you to get to know people and remember them by name. Because that may be the only thing you remember about them in the conversation that you have. But that will mean so much to them. And I'm blessed because I happen to look a little different. So it's very hard to remember my name. No, actually, it's very easy to remember my name. Not all of us have that unique ability. So when you're meeting people, maybe make some fun little game in your head. If, if their name is Anna, rhyme that with banana in your head. Do whatever little fun game you can do to remember their name or remind yourself of somebody else you met with that name that you remember. Create the little games to remember people's names, but remember, that's going to go a long way. Number two, something I learned from President Clinton. President Clinton had a way of making eye contact. He had a way of locking eyes. And here's what I've seen in my day of being around some amazing people. I've been fortunate to work with some of our star athletes in the world. I've been fortunate to work with some of the pop singers and legends in music and business and all these people that just get swarmed with people wanting to get their autographs and pictures taken. And I remember that President Clinton had something special to him that most, if not almost all of the others that I've met wouldn't embody. And then when he locked eyes on you and he was talking with you, he wasn't looking around for the more important people in the room to be talking to. He was with you until he was done, until you were done. And he was in your eyes and with you in that moment, creating a bubble around the two of you. Because look, if you're creating this energy of, oh, wait, 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 okay, I know I'm talking to this person, but I really want to meet Sean, and Sean's over there. I want to really talk to Vision, or da, 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 da. and you're not with the person that you're talking to, well, what energy are you sending out? They're all, they're more important than you. And now what taste does that leave in our mouth? How does it make our heart feel? Even if we're not conscious of it, we're unconscious is picking it up. Number three that I've learned from President Clinton. President Clinton, didn't matter who you were, he would ask your opinion about things. And I've noticed that humans are never in a shortage of opinion. I've never heard somebody go, you know, Sean, I don't really have an opinion on that. That may happen once in a blue moon, but the majority of the time, oh, here's my opinions. Right? And we want to share our opinions. We want to be heard. I think we want to be heard more than we want to talk. Think about that. What's the difference? Talking is just blah, 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 noise. Being heard means that that person is with us, connected to us. And so when we ask somebody their opinion, it's like we're actually making them a miniature expert in our life, in that little bubble and in that little frame in our life. I remember I was 19 years old when I worked for President Clinton, and I was in the Oval Office, and he turned to me, and he said, Sean, what's your opinion on that? And I, my heart fluttered, and I was like, oh my goodness, like, you're the leader of the free world, and you want to know my opinion. And I walked out of that, and I thought, man, this is, that's one cool tool. I got to bring that into my life, because guess what? I don't have to agree with your opinion. I can find it just valuable and interesting. I could hate you. I could be like, man, you are a punk. But tell me your opinion. And we create a bond. And it lets the other person know, hey, something in your life, in your mind, in your history could be of value to me. Teach me.
And that's what the opinion is really about. Teach me. I think that everybody in this room has something to teach Sean Stevenson. I think everybody in this room has something to teach you. But they're not going to just throw it at you. You have to bring it out of them. And the last thing that President Clinton was really good at that I want to get everybody in this room good at, except actually he was a real little too good at this one, it was touch, okay? <laughs> when we reach out and make physical contact with someone, there is an electrical exchange. You know, they've studied and they found that waiters and waitresses that just lightly tap the shoulder of their patrons when they first come up to the table, hi, how are you? Just that touch increases their tips. Why? Because it's saying, hey, I see you. Hey, I am actually interacting with you. I mean, maybe you're somebody that's like not touchy-feely and that's okay. I would actually kind of nudge you out of that mentality if you want to be a leader on this planet. But I'm here to tell you that just the slightest little touch on the shoulder, on the arm, when we shake somebody's hand, I always call it the hand sandwich, where you shake somebody's hand and you clasp over top of it and you just hold it for a moment. The next individual that I felt I had something to learn from when it comes to connection was His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama. First of all, I got to tell you how I met the Dalai Lama quickly. I had a vision board, not like a vision Lakiani board, but actual, anyway, I created a vision board, several of them, and one of them was a picture of the Dalai Lama, and I thought, you know, this is it. I'm going to create a bucket list, and on this bucket list is meet the Dalai Lama. I had no clue. You know, there's no way you can pull out like 411, hello, Dalai Lama. No, you can't do that. So... What I did is I just threw it out there, right? And I got invited from an individual you're going to hear speaking here, uh, Joe Polish, who is one of my close friends, amazing mentor to me. Joe Polish invited me to uh, go to Necker Island, where I met some of the people in the room here. And Necker Island, which I'll be talking about Richard Branson next. But on Necker Island, I was talking about my bucket list. And that's the thing. When you make your bucket list, the things on your vision board, you have to talk about it. You have to tell people what you want to do on this planet. You can't just be like, oh, I just want it to happen. No, you got to like be vocal, right? So I'm at Richard Branson's living room. I'm telling people, I'm like, oh yeah, so I want to meet the Dalai Lama, blah, 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 blah. And this guy goes, the Dalai Lama? And I said, yeah. He's like, wait, and you're a professional speaker? I said, yeah. And Joe goes, he's not just any professional speaker. He's one of the best professional speakers. I'm like, stop it, Joe. Anyway, and this guy's like, really? And Joe goes on to connect with this guy for me. He's like, seriously, you got to have Sean speak at your event. I'm like, wait, 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 what, what event? They're like, uh, it's called Engage Today. So Engage Today, Sean, you got to speak at this. The Dalai Lama is going to be speaking. And I'm like, Ugh. and then that's when it was like, doo, 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 doo. it's happening, right? And so I get to the Engage Today. I meet the Dalai Lama and I picked up three things from him about connection. Number one, the man has a smile that can melt an angry soldier's heart. A smile that could brighten this room, brighten these lights. So much of connection is right here and up here. Watch, I'm going to smile without my eyes. <laughs> now I'm going to smile with my eyes. Is there a difference, yes or no? Okay, the Dalai Lama smiles with his whole body. He's like, <gasps> he's got this playful wisdom to him and it's in his smile right off the bat when you meet people see this is a signal this is like the billboard of what you're bringing to their life and you want to bring the billboard of like 
Let's play, right? Let's have fun. I am going to be okay for you to connect with. And you're going to bring that in your smile. And you're going to bring that in your eyes. Your eyes have to get involved. Your eyes have to get big. Your eyebrows have to go up. And there has to be play in your face as a child would do. So what I want you to do is I want you to put on the most warm, connective, silly grin with the big eyes, the big smile, and I want you to lock eyes with at least five people looking around the room right now. So look around the room, five people. The Dalai Lama's smile, we all have access to it. Second thing I learned when it comes to connection from the Dalai Lama is he always had a sense of playfulness to him, a sense of playfulness. I mean, this is a man that was driven out of his own land. Could have easily been bitter. This is a man that, when he travels in events, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars just for his security because people want to have him killed. And the man brings playfulness. I mean, you have a bad day if somebody screws up your taco sauce on your taco salad, right? This is a man who's like, oh, hey, I could get killed any day now, you know? And he's all like, hey! <laughs> Folks, we have something to learn there. Playfulness, slash, I have another word that he used that I believe he brings to connection, which is wisdom. You know, you have access to wisdom. You may think that there's all these other people out there that are wise. You know what wisdom really is? I think it's just really being in touch with your intuition, listening to yourself, and not be afraid to share valuable advice with people, whether they take it or not. See, that's the neat thing about advice. It doesn't have to be taken. But it still can be given. That's okay. So you want to have that sense of playfulness as if, you know, hey, let's have a party here together. And then also that sense of, hey, you know, I got something intuitively I want to tell you. It kind of feels like maybe you have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. I don't know what's going on. Can I be of service to you? Or you look a little scared right now or a little lost. Like, how can I be of service to you? You know, having that like wisdom, that intuitive aspect. And the last thing that I learned from the Dalai Lama when it comes to connection is listening. The man listens. I've been a professional speaker for 15 years. And about 10 years ago, I had a young lady come up to me out of the audience and she rolled her sleeves up. And there was these awful scars. She said, why do I do this to myself? And all the oxygen just got taken out of my body. And I went, I don't know. And I got scared and confused. I didn't know why would a person cut themselves so what did I do? I went back to school to become a therapist because I didn't feel like it was fair to just open up your feelings from being up here on stage and then get off stage and not have a clue what's going on with life. And I had a clue what's going on with the pain in your life. And so I went back to become a therapist, which is really another term for a professional listener. And one of the things that I learned in my training is you never want to get caught in the tendency to just believe, oh, oh, no, I have the habit here. This is your issue. This is your problem. Da, 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 da. Every person comes from a different space. You want to listen to people differently. And listen is not an activity of being quiet while formulating your response. And we see that, don't we? Have you ever said something to somebody and they're like, uh-huh, and they had no clue what you just said? And then you're like, what did they just say? What? What did I just say? Um, and then you can see they're like looking for the tapes. And maybe they even like kick back what you said, but they didn't really hear it. Listening takes place when you put your life on pause. And you stop formulating your response. And you just take it in. You know, sometimes 
I think, honestly, the people we like most to hang around aren't the people that maybe even have the best advice. I think they're the best listeners, the ones we like to hang around. So we want to get good at listening if we want to connect. So then that brings me to the third person that I wanted to talk about today, which is Richard Branson. And what I enjoyed about Richard Branson is when I went to his private island, it was just a magical experience. It felt like I was going to Jurassic Park, honestly. We get in this boat, we're going out to this island. You know, I was waiting for like people to be like, oh, ee, oh. I mean, I was, it was weird. And so we get to the island, going up these steps and people are carrying me. We come in, there's this long kitchen table, a dining room table, and we're eating. And in walks this man. And he's just to himself and his hair is all wet and he's in his bathing suit and he comes, sits down. It's really quiet. And I start observing him. And I started looking at how he's interacting with all these business leaders that are very successful in their own fields. And I picked up three things from him when it comes to connection that you want to implement into your life. Number one, he's a very smooth voice. He modulates his voice in a very calm way. You don't hear him go, hey, hey, no, that freaks us out. What do we want? We want a smooth voice, especially when we want to get a deep connection. We want to lower our voice a little bit. We want to lock eyes, reach out, touch their shoulder maybe, and keep your voice smooth. It keeps the energy inside of us, allows us to calm down. I love one of our dear friends, Evan Pagan, and he's probably quoting somebody else too. Eben says, the person in the room that has the most power is the one that stays the calmest. Think about that. When you see somebody that's panicked, right? You almost don't want to spend time with them. You're like, ah, I'm not going to survive if I hang out with this panic, right? You want calm, especially if you want to connect. Smooth out your voice and be calm. The next thing I learned, it's similar to what President Clinton did with opinions, but a little different. Richard Branson asked you questions. Ask questions. Because you don't even know where the answers are going to lead you. But two things will happen. That person will feel like they get to share. And we love to share, right? And two, we can get to learn. And so as you ask questions, you know, as you're here, sit down and care about them and say, so what was the best thing you learned today? And come up with creative questions. Not like, oh, so what do you do? Well, we're used to asking that. Say things like, so what was the best thing that happened to you today? What was the last thing that made you laugh? What do you love most about being you? So tell me, what do you look forward to most about when you're going home after Awesome Misfits? You know, what do you think is the one thing that you wanted to do in your life, but you were too scared to do? But man, if you just had the courage, it may be an awesome experience for you. Get good at asking questions. And ask creative questions. Ever spent time with a little kid? Kids have lots of questions. Why is the sky blue? Why is ice cream cold? Why do we have to go to bed? You know, they ask all these questions. And we see them as connectors. You know, I love kids. You know, on the airplane when we got here, there's this little tiny kid. He's just walking up and down the aisle. He's like, hello, hello, hello. If any one of us did that, maybe outside of me, any one of us did that, you'd be like, sit down. Are you going to attack me? Sit down, you know, right? But it's okay. So you got to ask questions. And the last thing that I learned from Richard Branson 
And this is how I experienced him, is he appeared to be extremely humble. Extremely humble. And there's a difference, and I'd like to explain it, between confidence and arrogance and humility and being shy. Let me walk you through that. Confidence and arrogance, that sometimes we're so worried about that little tightrope. I think it's simple. Anytime you're trying to prove yourself to anyone or even to yourself, that's an element of arrogance. When you're trying to prove something, it's a form of arrogance. And it doesn't have to be maybe a vengeful arrogance, but it isn't a form of arrogance. And the opposite is confidence. It's anytime you're trying to improve yourself. When you are improving yourself, you're developing your confidence. A truly confident person needs not to tear down anyone to feel good about themselves. A confident person needs not to share all these gloriful things that they've done in their life. They can just be in the room and ask you what glorious things you've done in your life. So humility versus being super shy. You know, I think it's okay to celebrate you. I think it's okay for you to celebrate you. But make sure that you're also celebrating other people in the process. Also, this is a little tip, big tip, though. If you're ever going to brag, just warn somebody you're going to brag. Say, can I get your permission to brag? And they'll go, yeah. And then you can brag. And then they'll go, you're awesome. <laughs> and they'll be like, thank you for letting me brag. And that's it. It's that easy. You don't ask that question, you're arrogant. People are like, oh, gosh, I don't want to hear about your trip to Mexico or Costa Rica, right? But if you say, hey, can I brag for a second? I won this award. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Get permission to brag, and people will love you. So let's quickly review this. President Clinton used people's names. He made eye contact. He asked people's opinions, and he reached out and touched, had that physical connection. The Dalai Lama had that smile. He was also playful with that element of wisdom, and he listened. Richard Branson used a smooth, calm voice. He asked questions, and he used humility. He had nothing to brag about. And, you know, I've done some cool things in my life. But at the end of the day, I really don't care if you think they're cool, because I did them for me. And what's cool about that is it builds on itself. People love to support people who do things to impress themselves and no one else. It's not about showing anything to you. It's about sharing things with you. So I would like to share with you my final thoughts about connection. And I have three things that I want to share. One, you got to see connection as a game of ping pong. And a really good game of ping pong is like really intense. It's like Forrest Gump. It's like bam, 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 bam. Right? Connection is the same way. In order for connection to work, there has to be an equal exchange. You have to both share and request sharing. Shannon, would you stand up for a second, please? Shannon is one of my dear friends. Shannon Royster. All right, Shannon, we're going to play little connection ping pong. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. So let's give some encouragement to Shannon right now. Okay. <laughs> Shannon, what was like the 
best three moments in the last year for you? Like the last calendar year, 2010, what are the top three highlights of your year? Um, top three highlights would be my two-year-old walking. Uh, something I haven't mastered, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Number two? Um, my husband having a record year in his company and me supporting that. Nice. And um, getting my health back, losing some baby weight, and nice. feeling reconnected with my core. And good, good. I'll play a little ping pong here. Now, Sean. Shannon, what? Best three places you've been in the last year? Uh, I was just speaking in Mexico City, which was awesome. 3,000 people, really awesome. I got to uh, see the beautiful mountains and the sunset in Salt Lake City, Utah. Gorgeous. Nice. Wild party town. Get to Salt Lake. Awesome. And uh, I got to go to a gorgeous resort on the side of a cliff in Maine, which was beautiful and have just amazing people around me. So now, here's the thing. We both said each other's names a couple times, did we not? We both made eye contact. We both smiled. We both used each other's names, and we both cared. And we had a 50-50 experience. How many people have you met in your life that just... I gotta go. Peace. <laughs> right? Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. Now, how many people do you know ask a lot of questions but also never share about themselves? You leave and you're like, oh, like, what are they all about? Like... Who were they? And they kept to themselves. Neither are healthy part of the ping pong game. It has to be an equal exchange. So I play this little game in my mind. When I'm connecting with people, I ask myself, Sean, has the ball been on their side of the table at least 50% of the time? Because I'm a professional speaker, folks. It's very easy for me to go on and on and on. And I have to pull back the reins and go, Shannon, tell me. And get them involved. Be aware of the 50-50 process. And don't hide. You can't be like, oh, I'm just going to be 100% getting to know them. No, you're now leaving them without getting to know you. So does that make sense? Yes or no? Okay. So thank you, Shannon. Let's give Shannon another round of applause. Next thing is... Praise. Praise is so very valuable. And we do it a lot with the little ones, children, right? Like, oh, good, you walked, yay. And then they grow like another 10 years and you're like, oh, yeah, you walked. Oh, get out of here, right? <laughs> Welcome to the species of humanity, right? You stop praising people. Liberally. You stop praising people loosely. You start holding back your praise like, oh, well, they didn't do anything for me lately, so I'm not going to praise them. Praise has to flow out of you if you want people to connect to you. So you have to praise them for little things. Oh, I love your smile. That's just awesome. Thank you for smiling. You know, and you might think like, oh, that's cheesy, Sean. That's okay. I praise you for thinking that's cheesy. Right? That was a joke. Anyway, so we have to interact with people and we have to praise them. And we have to figure out. Sometimes we have to figure out what they're up to on this planet. And praise them what they're up to. Or praise them how they make you feel. And I always say, praise publicly as much as possible. If you're in a work environment, a team environment, and I've seen Mind Valley does this. I flew all the way to Asia and got to spend time with their team. And praise is big. They have an awesome report 
okay, where they praise each other. And you have to spend time with your family, your friends. People are craving your praise. People will go further for praise, oftentimes, than money. I've seen people stick around in jobs where they make very little money, but they stay there because they get praise. And they feel that the praise is authentically shared. The last thing that I want to share with you is about vulnerability. It's not just all about being, oh, I'm awesome, you know, and I never have any bad days. You know, connection is also about sharing some of your trials and tribulations. It's about being real with people, right? It's about sitting down and saying, hey, you know what? I just got off two long flights. My buns are sore. I'm hungry. And you know what? Uh, I'm going through a tough time right now, but I'm going to make the best of it. It's not always about putting, like, oh, I just want to talk about the best things about me. It's about being real. Because you know when we really connect with people is when we hear about their vulnerabilities. Think about the comics, that you love, that really make you laugh. They talk about the vulnerable things that the rest of us are too scared to talk about. And they make us laugh because they release that tension. And so as you are going through Awesomeness Fest, I want you to be open with people. If last year wasn't your banner year, not everybody's Sean Royster, you know? If it wasn't your banner year, it's okay. You can share that. Because I would rather know what you're really going through than some fake facade that you're perfect. Look, none of us are perfect. And you should create an energy, a bubble around you of, hey, this is me. And it's not also about bringing like a train wreck to the station. It's not like, oh, I got to tell you about all my problems. Not that either. Moderation on these activities. But you got to share what's really going on with you. And people will love you the more you let them in. So... By raising hands, how many people learned something out of this talk? Okay? I want three shares. I want you to praise me on something that you learned here that was of value to you that you're going to use at Awesomeness Fest, and then I will be complete with this talk. Say your name. Hi, I'm Austin. Okay, Austin. I just like the the moment someone cares about us, the moment we open up. Mm. I like that. Thank you. Awesome. Things that you learned that you're going to use. Austin? You're going to care about people. You just outed yourself on that one. Okay. Sean, I learned that you're a very humble person. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you're awesome. Thank you. So we're going to learn about using humility. Awesome. Let's get one more. One more. Or two more, because you guys are awesome. Sean, I learned from you how to approach people and how to love them without going too deep. Mm. but how to appreciate them awesome. and make them feeling better. Can you tell that she popped her comfort zone? Yeah. I want everybody to give her a round of applause. <laughs> All right, we had one last share right over here. Sean, I'm grateful for you teaching me about asking people their opinion mm. because that's going to allow me to connect with them more deeply, and yeah. that's really, really important to me. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. It's been my pleasure connecting to you today. Thank you very much. I hope this episode helped you shift your concept of connecting with others. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and leave us a review and a rating. And I want to ask you for a favor. Our speakers love it 
when you mention them in a review. So don't leave a generic review. If you like this episode with Sean, leave a review for Sean. Say, I love this podcast and Sean changed my life or something to that effect. You don't have to get that excited. But by mentioning our speaker name, when we look at these reviews, we know which speakers stand out for you. And I'm going to actually screenshot those reviews and send it directly to Sean to help make his day. Sean does this to inspire. He did it because he wanted to reach as many lives as possible. So thank you for that review. And if you like what you learned, go ahead and share it on Facebook or Instagram. Be sure to tag at Vision, V-I-S-H-E-N, so I find your posts and I can comment on it. Thank you, folks. And Sean on Instagram is three foot giant. That's the digit three, not the number three, three foot giant. Go ahead and follow him. Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.